Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Where are you storing your treasure? Treasure transforms. That's a saying that I stole from a commentary that I was reading this week. I think it's really apt that treasure does transform us completely and utterly. For Jesus Christ says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And Matthew 6.19 was, is our verse for this year, our goal of 24 baptisms in 2024. It was, that was sort of the heart of it, is that if we want to see a transformation in our lives, the lives of our friends, our family, and our community, we need to evaluate what is, the, what is the treasure in our life. And treasure transforms. And is any, can anyone, any book nerd guess what, what picture this is from? What book is this from? That I've stolen this. Pun? Hobbit, close, close. Similar genre? Dawn Treasure, yeah. C.S. Lewis, Dawn of Treasure. This is Eustace. And Eustace in the Dawn Travel, I should say, he is a greedy, selfish boy. And at one point in the story, in the midst of a rainstorm, he hides away into a dragon's cave. And as this dragon is dying, um, Eustace begins to take all his treasure, stuffing his pockets full, and he falls asleep on his newfound wealth. And then he's transformed into a dragon. And he begins to realise that, well, actually, this is not what life is meant to be like. This is actually a miserable, horrible existence. Now, Eustace transforming into a dragon, it's an extreme caricature about greed, about idolatry, about selfishness. Now, perhaps you and I aren't as greedy and selfish and mean-spirited that we're dragon-like. But all of us have to admit, our treasure transforms, yes? Yes, you ever see those pictures, and you see them all the time when people, before they begin to exercise, you know, they're overweight, out of shape, and then you see the next photo, six weeks later, they're transformed. That's what treasure does to us. It transforms us. Transforms us for something good or for something evil. Will we be dragon-like, like Eustace? Or will we be Christ-like, like Jesus? Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus begins to talk about treasure, he is at a, a deeper level pointing to flourishing. That the Bible is about, the Bible never uses the word flourishing. But that's what it's about. It's about humans living in the way that God intended that's the purpose that Jesus was giving us his teaching, is that he wants humans to live in the way that God intended. And at the core part of it, anxiety and stressing over wealth is not what God intended for our life to be like. There's no point us worrying and stressing about money, food, shelter, clothing. Insert whatever treasure that where your story in, because it does not lead to any good outcomes. Now, I was doing some research this week. I put it in the pastor's desk that one-third 
of society is either suffering or has suffered from anxiety. That's enormous. One third. And so right now, particularly after COVID, there is this huge demand for mental health services to help treat people with anxiety. Now, not just to say anxiety can just be solved simply like this. This is what Jesus is pointing to. This is the first step. If you want to overcome an anxious mind, an anxious body, start to evaluate evaluate where your treasure is being stored. Because this flips the narrative, doesn't it? It really, really flips the script. And if we can just pop on to our next slide, thanks, Keith. Our treasure reveals at a deeper level what your heart needs to find your purpose. Now, I just want to give you a moment to think about that. What does your heart need to find your purpose? Is it getting A's in school or uni? Is it having the perfect family, perfect husband, perfect wife? Is it having all that wealth and prestige and honour? Perhaps it's having massive muscles and being really in shape. Our treasure reveals what our heart needs to find your purpose. And friends, today, I pray and trust that you will find that your purpose, that your heart's needs are met in Jesus. Because Jesus really, truly flips the narrative. This is not common wisdom. To say, oh, don't worry about where you can get food and shelter and clothing. Oh, don't worry about that. Just keep seeking first the kingdom. That doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. And this is what I just find so remarkable about the Sermon on the Mount. Is that Jesus is, he uses a real life example of moths and vermin and rust and thieves to say that there's an insecurity to treasure. We know this, but why do we keep pursuing it? Why do we seek to find our identity and our meaning in our treasure? Now, if we can just flick back one slide, thanks. Now, look at this here. We get these quite regularly, don't we? How annoying is it? Four o'clock in the morning, bing, another scam text. Now, none of us here would click on those links, would we? We read that and think, ah, yep, you know what? I'm not going to find wealth, not going to find treasure. I'm not going to find my packages here when I click that link. All I'm going to find is viruses, credit card being hacked, all sorts of issues and problems. And it's similar too when we start to store up treasure on earth. When Jesus talks about where your treasure is, your heart is also. The heart in the Jewish mind, it's the the centre of your being. It affects your thoughts, your wills, your, your very person. By saying where your treasure is there, your heart is also. It's a way of saying your identity. If your heart is storing treasures on this earth, that is where your identity is. But if you store it in heaven, that's where your identity rests. 
And it's interesting, if we just jump forward two more slides, thanks Keith, next one. It's interesting, what is the size of the threat to our earthly treasure? What does Jesus say? Do not store up treasure on earth, where what? What's the first thing that can destroy it? Moss, yeah, what's another one? Vermin, okay, how big is that? How big's a moth? Let's guess. Vermin or rust, it's an interesting, oh, let's put our little nerdy Greek hat on for a sec. Um, rust or, or vermin, it can kind of mean the same thing because it literally the word means to eat. And so it could mean pestilence, vermin, or it could mean rust. But either way, you've got something small. Little moss, and our house are full of little moss right now, and they're deeply annoying. I'm constantly trying to kill them, but they can undo everything. Think about it, if you're... Clothes are being eaten and you only got one set of clothes and that's all you rely upon, it gets eaten. Well, it's destroyed. If you're planting crops and you're relying on that harvest to feed your family and to support yourself and little teeny tiny vermin eat that. Or perhaps you have some tools and you leave them out and they get rusty and useless. We see that life can be undone very easily by something so small. And if you're placing your security in something so that can be undone by something so small, a child can squish it in their fingers. What's the point of that? It's no better than clicking on a link of a scam text. It's going to have the same outcome in your life. Because friends, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus goes on, he equates it here to this idea of having two masters and having healthy eyes. And if we just look at the passage there, thanks, Keith. Jesus goes on, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. It's the idea that the eyes, what we'd see, would sort of bring in light, bring in wholeness. Your, your eyes, whether they be good or bad, a, a good light is someone who's generous, who is upright, who is righteous. Someone who has bad eyes is wicked. Stingy, greedy, and covetous. See, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. See, he's just kind of escaping. This is the outcome of what happens when you, when you store your treasures in the wrong places. Either you'll be full of light or you'll be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And he just keeps on upping the ante. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Where you store your treasure, it matters. It matters. A lot. In fact, with that reference to you cannot serve both God and money, then it's interesting. Most um, Bibles, except for the NIV, they would keep the old Aramaic word, manon. You cannot serve both God and manon. And commentators are a little unsure. Why would Matthew keep manon in there? An Aramaic word that meant possessions, treasure, you know, things that we own. And it's sort of one theory that it's almost like setting up God with uh, like the true God against a false God. Manon is like another God competing for your attention. 
You cannot serve two masters. You cannot store treasures on earth and expect to have a good outcome because your body's going to be full of darkness. You cannot serve two masters because you're going to hate one and love the other. This is what Jesus is doing. He's upping the ante, making you think, oh my goodness, this sounds terrible. What, what is going to happen? Well, then Jesus gives us the relief. And the relief comes from here. Therefore, that's important. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body. What you wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Okay, that's really, really good advice for us here in Australia that have food. I can open the fridge. I can go to the shops and get clothes if I'm running out. But I saw on the news today just the conflict in the Middle East and different people who are starving in Palestine and in Gaza and across the world. How do you tell people like that? Hey, don't worry about what you eat or what you drink or, you know, the, the f don't worry about that stuff. It, it seems really simplistic. And in wrestling with this, I have a little diagram. We can go to that, Keith. This is from an article, and if you listen to Murray and my banter this week, I actually referenced to it. It's written by a guy called Casey Hansen. It has a very, very exciting title, The Political Co Economy of Galilean Fishing. There you go. That will, I'm sure that will put you to sleep. But what he has here, and what I kind of want you to get out of this diagram is this is what Casey Hansen argues was the economic structure of Rome. And this is really aimed at fishing. But look who's at the top there. Augustus, Tiberius, Caligula. This is the emperor. And then you have um, Herod. Who, you know, we know Herod, like King Herod, the, the king of the Jews, as we meet in the New Testament. And then we have chief tax collectors, tax collectors, and all these people. And you start to see, and what the point of this diagram Hansen is arguing is that, do you know who benefits the most from taxes and all these tolls and everything they charge the people? The very top. The elite. Points to saying that in the world of first century um, Israel, most of the population was at the bottom there. They're, they're the bottom there. They're the ones who aren't benefiting. They're doing all the work. They're struggling to make ends meet. 90% of the population in Jesus' day, they reckon, were just subsistence farmers. They didn't own the land. They paid enormous rent on these properties that they would farm. They'd be taxed enormous amounts for the produce that they made. And they'd get easily into debt. That's, and then you got to, you know, you're relying upon a good harvest. You know, there's no famine, no fire, no all the things in life. In fact, the people Jesus was speaking to were probably closer to what's happening in Gaza right now than what's happening here in Sydney, Australia. This was a world that had no security. You had a bad harvest and then you've got mounting debt. Well, too bad. That's it. Your family sold off to slavery. Goodbye. Thanks for playing. That's it. Life was brutal. Life was short. And here is Jesus saying to these people here, people down here at the bottom of the pecking order, 
not the elite. Bottom of the pecking order. Don't store up treasures on earth. Don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Because the temptation is when there's very little to eat and drink and wear, you want to start storing these things up. It's easy to see how these things can become idols in your life. That This becomes the number one priority that you're striving for. So, I mean, this is just, from an earthly point of view, ridiculous advice. But this is how godly advice works. It flips the script. Because Jesus tells us, yeah, you store. You should store up lots. But don't store it, your treasures, for this time and space. Store it up for eternity when the kingdom of God arrives. Now, I mentioned before, anxiety affects one-third of the population. And I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up if you have ever suffered or suffer from anxiety, but I think if we can go to the next slide, thank you. I think at least in some point in our life, we have suffered from one of these symptoms of anxiety, yes? There are probably many of us in this room who work stressful jobs and think, yeah, I remember those times, or as they're happening right now, I just can't get to sleep. There is a million thoughts whirling around in my head, all the troubles I have at work, financial stresses, family stresses. We, we know what that's like. We've probably felt that sense of restlessness, that fatigue, that worry. We've probably felt worry at some point, just trying to concentrate because you've got that headache you know, and your face, your face muscles feel tight. We've probably all experienced this at some point in our life. And our society is desperately seeking the cure to anxiety. And Jesus here is offering us a way to help overcome that. Reevaluate where you store your treasure. And this is not to say that the Bible goes, just put on a happy face when life is sad. We, we know this, that Jesus Christ himself, on the night before he was betrayed, in the most powerful probably moment on his earthly life, is there pouring his heart out before his father, sweating um, blood, crying out, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. So Jesus is saying not just to put a smile on your face no matter what, but what did Jesus say in that prayer? Not my will, but yours be done. I.e., Jesus in a way is saying, I have stored my treasure in heaven. That is the first priority in my life. That's what's going to help overcome anxiety. And we read it here, if we can just go back to from verse 25, thanks, Keith. Jesus says, Don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink, about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And it gives us a great lesson from creation. Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Like, okay, if you're really worried about life, just look outside. Look at those little birds, those little sparrows. God's feeding them. I mean, he's still present and active in this world. He asks, are you not more valuable than they? 
And then Jesus asked, can one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? What's worry going to accomplish? Well, nothing. It's a rhetorical question. It means to be no, but you can worry and worry and stress all you want, but what's it going to achieve? He says, see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon, the greatest king of Israel. He would have been a multi-multi-billionaire in our day. A simple flower has more glory than even the greatest of Solomon's garments. Jesus is reframing this for us. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. It's a great way to remind us, after sort of building up the dangers of storing our treasures on earth instead of heaven, warning us about having light in us or darkness because of our eyes, about the type of we can only serve one master and not two, that kind of lets us down. Hey, I recognize this. It's going to be stressful. Life is stressful. Life has challenges god knows that you need food water clothing shelter you you need all these things to survive but don't make that your number one priority that's what pagans do you're not pagans you are my disciples and here probably one of my favorite verses in all the scripture matthew 6 33 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The food, the drink, the clothing that you desire, God will provide that. This tops it off. Ah, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's what Jesus offers for us. That's his cure to anxiety to reframe the problem, to reflect upon, okay, in the midst of this really difficult and anxious situation, where am I storing my treasure? Is it being stored on earth? Is that why it's making this making me so anxious? Or is it being stored in heaven? Am I seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, which is a kind of a way of saying the same thing because God's kingdom is God's righteousness and God's a righteous king. So it's kind of a way of saying the same thing. And if you're left wondering, well, what does it mean to be storing up treasures in heaven, not on earth? It's a way of saying, pursue the things that God wants you to pursue. That's what it means to store treasures in heaven. To recognize that one day God's going to come. His kingdom's going to be here on this earth. And things that you're worried about so much in this time and space, hmm, it's not going to seem that important. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, I said treasure transforms. And what happens to poor Eustace? After he was turned into a dragon, if we can just jump forward to that picture, thanks, Keith. 
And here is just a really graphic depiction. And C.S. Lewis used the, the Chronicles of Narnia. If you're not really sure what they are, it's a good, like a, a parable for the Gospels. And Aslan the Lion, who represents Jesus, has to rip off this dragon skin of Eustace. But then when he is done, there is left standing Eustace, the boy, whole and restored and made new. Friends, treasure transforms. Will your treasure transform you into a dragon? Or will it transform you into a disciple of Jesus? As we finish up today, we have our centers of the week. And so our centers are, and you'll get to know these over time as we kind of keep looking at them. Our, we're Bible-centered, prayer-centered, discipleship-centered, relationally-centered, community-centered, compassion-centered, and missions-centered. And our centers of the week, discipleship and compassion. Firstly, I guess the big question is today, where are you storing a treasure? All of us here attempted, myself included, to start storing treasure here on earth, thinking that somehow it's going to remain eternal and last forever, when really, a tiny little moth could eat it up and destroy it. It's a question for all of us to reflect upon. The next one is, well, how has your treasure transformed you? If your treasure is stored in heaven, you need to be transformed into the image of Jesus more and more. But if it's not, you're going to start to look like that treasure that you're storing here on earth. And lastly, it's the compassion part. How could you use your treasure to serve? And you'll see the kids from Kids Church come out with some cookies. And this was a way to kind of tie in the sermon with Kids Church. By saying, hey, this is what these kids are going to be cooking. And we're cooking these biscuits for you to serve you with their gifts, with their treasure, their treasure of time and energy and money. How can you use your treasure to serve the kingdom. And we pray a blessing over us and ask for God's help in transforming us to reflect Jesus more and more. Our Lord, treasure does transform. And I pray that we're transformed into the image of Jesus. And God, I recognize that we do live in an anxious world where there are a number of stresses that keep us awake at night which make us worry and toss and turn. I pray now that we can just take that simple reframing that Jesus has given to us to focus upon where we're storing our treasure and to be reminded to not to be worried about the things of this earth, but to continually seek first the kingdom, to make that the number one priority in our lives. And all these things that we worry about will be given to us as well. And so I pray today, Spirit, that you'll give us the help to transform us, to help us to have light in our eyes, help us to serve only one master and to live in a way that we flourish as Jesus intended for us. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Jural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you 
as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.